You may be seated. It's intense. Uh, 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 uh. Good evening. Uh, just by show of hands, how many of you guys actually attended the Emmaus retreat? Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, as Pastor Myungwa introduced, uh, my name is Erin, uh, and I am a mom. I'm a mother of two now. And um, this ministry in particular means a lot to me because I got to be a part of the history of Emmaus. So originally, uh, Pastor Christian, my husband, he started uh, what was kind of took over an existing ministry. At the time, it was called YCF, Yonsei International Christian Fellowship. It started at Yonsei University. And um, when he began to take over the church we now call New Philly, uh, I got the ministry under my care. And with me and along with three awesome leaders, we turned YCF into Emmaus. And through as the years went by and more amazing staff came my way, we planted not only at Yonsei, but we were able to start a chapter at SNU and now KU. Uh, and it's just been such a, a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be a part of the history of Emmaus. And so I, even though I'm tired because my baby keeps me up all night and I, um, yeah, have not been on the pulpit often recently because of uh, my sabbatical and also giving birth. I just felt like I really, really, really wanted to come and preach for you guys. Is that okay? Is that all right? So uh, tonight I do have a word for you guys. And it kind of I just kind of want to flow off from the retreat. And so if you weren't at the retreat, I want you to still believe that this word is for you. Um, but I thought that as the retreat was called Freedom Retreat, I thought it was so important to talk about what happens afterwards right? The retreats, the mountaintop experiences, when we get the breakthrough, the release of uh, forgiveness, the breaking out of our prison of, you know, hopelessness. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's life-changing, but sometimes we don't know what to do afterwards. How does life go after we get our breakthrough? You know, there's a movie that I love. It's called Shawshank Redemption. Now, I know I'm on a different generation, okay? Um, I'd like to think I'm not that much older, but how many of you guys know that movie, Shawshank Redemption? Okay. All right. It's mainly the staff, but that's okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so Shawshank Redemption um, is this movie uh, about a man who kind of goes into prison and it's the story of prison life. You don't need to know the details. All you need to know is this. There is one character in the movie, a very elderly man who spent most of his life in prison. And after years and years and years, 60 plus years of being in prison, he was finally released. The thing was, after he was released from prison, he didn't know what to do with himself. The world had changed so much. Technology had advanced so much. There was this elderly gentleman. All he knew was this prison. And so when he got out, it was it was so overwhelming. He was so lost. He ended up taking his life. Now, I'm not saying that that's foreshadowing what's going on over here. But I am saying sometimes we're so excited about just the release. We forget the need to prepare for the life after. Some of us are so familiar with our prisons. We're so familiar with our struggle. We're so familiar with our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our addictions. It's like close friends. So intimate with the lies that we believed for so long that when we experience freedom and we try to start walking it out, we kind of don't know what to do with ourselves. Okay, I'm, I'm not angry at this person anymore. 
I don't hold bitterness against this person anymore, but now what? Okay, I, I'm not ugly because the Lord has, has broken me free from that lie, but who am I? What am I? Today, I kind of want to talk to you as a former prisoner, figuratively. Um, someone that has also been set free. Now, honestly, I almost went to prison. Uh, many of you guys probably don't know my story, but my story is definitely a testimony of God's breakthrough and freedom. Um, long story short, I was a believer, grew up in the church, got saved when I was in sixth grade um, to the song, The Nails in Your Hands. You guys know the song? Nail in your feet. Okay, anyway, it's an epic song. And I'm singing, I'm like, and what? it just hit me. Wow, Jesus died for my sin. You know, it just the revelation of the gospel hit me then, and I got saved. But it wasn't too long afterwards that I kind of started to fall into the pressure of just being like a middle school and high school student. And I started uh, getting involved in different sins and um, with stealing, with drugs, with I was very, very sexually active at a young age. Just a lot of different bondages. Uh, I had chains. I lived with chains for most of my life after I, I received Christ. And it wasn't until I came to Korea, which was about 10 years ago, that I began to really experience major freedom from those sins. Uh, but I did get arrested. The point is, I did get arrested. I almost went to prison. I got arrested for stealing 900, almost $900 worth of merchandise. If I had gotten uh, caught with a thousand, it would have been a felony. And that would have been a permanent mark on my record. But it was like just yay short of that. And I did get arrested. I got my mugshot. Can you, I'm just a small little Korean girl. Can you imagine me with my mugshot? My mom also saw my mugshot, broke down. Lord have mercy. Um, but yes, I had, I, I, I also lived a life that was um, at a point where I felt like I didn't control anything. My sins were controlling me. You guys ever experienced that? My rage was controlling me. My unforgiveness was controlling me. My addiction was controlling me. I wasn't a living life that was in, in control. And it was finally until I got this breakthrough with Jesus that I learned how to live a life where he's in control. And it's in that place. And I'm not doing it perfectly, but I am doing it pursuing him by God's grace. And I kind of want to share with you, man, if this is part of my story, if I'm a former prisoner that got set free from chains and bondages, years of bondage, what is a word that I want to share with a group of young, incredible sons and daughters of God who just experienced freedom? What's a word that I want to share? And this is uh, something that I believe the Lord led me to. So open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Now, I'm going to read, um, I believe, from the ESV version. But whatever version of the Bible you have, you can kind of follow along. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, 
If anything, you think otherwise. God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Tonight, I kind of want to give you a sequence of what I believe is important to keep in mind as we walk out our freedom. Because it's not enough to just get your freedom. You got to walk it out. You got to live it out. What does living out freedom look like? The first thing I want to mention is not being fixed on your past. What does scripture say? It says, uh, for, forgetting what lies behind. Everybody say, forgetting what lies behind. You know, you may not look, I may not look like it, but I used to run track back in the day. Okay. I used to be a runner. No, no, no. I take that back. I didn't used to be a runner. I ran. I was never a runner. (laughs) I was never really good at it, but I did run track back in the day. And I remember one of the things that my coach specifically would train us in is when you run a race, do not look back. Always fix your eyes ahead. And I don't know if you've ever would run, but if you run a race, sometimes you have the temptation to think how far, you know, is the next person catching up? You kind of have this feeling where you have this desire to want to look back. And he would say, don't do that. Don't look back. Even though it's tempting, don't do it. You have to fix your eyes on what's ahead. Why? Because when you begin to have a habit of looking back, it slows you down. The purpose of the race when I was in track was to finish and to finish the fastest that I could, right? And looking back would only slow me down. Let me tell you, the enemy wants to slow you down. And there's going to be times as you walk out this freedom where you're going to hit some rough patches. I'm going to be real with you right now. It's not going to be easy just because you got your freedom. Oh, it's going to be so good. It may feel that way for a little bit, but listen, struggles coming your way because God is devoted to maturing you. And that means you're going to face some trials. That means you're going to face some hardships because he loves you too much to keep you comfortable. So when those moments of trials come, what do we do? There's going to be a temptation to look back. Man, my life, when I wasn't living for the Lord, it kind of looks like it was so much more fun. I miss, I miss walking in the club and the boom, 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 you know, with my girlfriends and yeah, and hearing my song. And yeah, I feel like I really miss that. All of a sudden you look back on your lifestyle. Maybe some of the lies that you got set free from, it looks familiar and almost looks good. It almost looks like life was better than life was easier than. Life was more fun then. We begin to be deceived into thinking that maybe, maybe, maybe that's the life I'd rather be living than living this Christian life where I'm trying to live for the Lord. Because this is, you know what? This is hard. This is hard and I feel like I'm missing out all the time. Let me tell I've hit these moments in my walk with God where I have fallen into the temptation of looking back. And when you look back, not only does it slow you down, but it can be deceptive. And all of a sudden you can start believing these lies that life back then was actually better than the life that you're living right now. You know who fell into that? The Israelites. If you read the journey of the Israelites, they were once in bondage. These are God's people that was once in slavery. Now I'm not talking about figuratively. I'm talking about literally in slavery to the Egyptians where they had to do back breaking labor. All those pyramids that we see, that was done by slaves, okay? These 
These people that knew God were under bondage. They were in slavery and God miraculously sets them free over a series of, of incredible supernatural events. And he takes them into a season where he puts them in the wilderness. And as they're in the wilderness, in the beginning, they're like, "Woo! God is good. God is powerful. We're free. God has heard our prayers. But as time passes by and they realize that life isn't all easy, that there were still some hardships that, that they had to face, that as God was trying to renew their minds, all of a sudden they started looking back on their slavery days and being like, you know what? I feel like that was, that was actually better than what we're living right now. They actually convinced themselves that being a slave was better and easier than being free. Now that's a lie if I have ever heard one. Sometimes we fall into that same trap. We forget that our life of, of sin and bondage was exactly that, slavery. Even though the Christian walk is not easy, it's freedom. There's no freedom that we can experience without Christ. There's no life that's better than living a life that is free. And in those moments of hardships and struggles, and we, we kind of, oh, oh. Uh, look back, we got to remind ourselves, no, forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. I'm going to forsake my past because God has called me to live a life not easy, but a life of freedom. A life where he is the Lord. A life where he is in charge. It seems so easy to judge the Israelites. It seems so foolish for them to think that way. But I want to tell you guys, when you hit those moments and you're tempted to feel that way, stay in the place of truth. You know, there, there's a show. I'm, I'm kind of into, like, reality shows. Now, okay, hear me. I'm not into all reality shows. Uh, but shows that I really love are, like, makeovers. You know, where like people have like fashion police and like you dress terribly and like you kind of come in and there's a show that that was called what not to wear. Okay. And this show, what not to wear. Okay. Some people know what I'm talking about. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love this show. And basically there's someone that's committing major fashion crime, right? And, and their friends and family report them and they're like, you know what? This person needs major help. And they come in and, and actually they kind of, what they do is they secretly film them for like some time and they film what kind of outfits they wear and they get bombarded. And these two fashion experts kind of lead them and they show them the secret footage and is like, did you know you look like that? You know, like, what do you think of your outfit? And they're like, oh, yeah. Um, some people are like, oh, I look good. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. I look good. And others are like, oh, yeah, maybe that was a little too short. Or maybe that was an inappropriate outfit. But all truth comes out when they go into something called the 360 mirror. Mm. It already sounds intriguing, right? So basically, it's this, it's this room they enter in, and it's what it is, a 360 mirror. And they stand in these outfits. They're like favorite outfits that they thought they thought they looked so good in. Like, no, I look good in this. And they go in and they're like, mm, mm, mm. And all of a sudden they see angles that they have not seen before. Because when you look in the mirror, you only see this much, right? Now you're in a 360 mirror and it's like all sorts of stuff coming out. And it's this like reality check. Wow, this is not what I thought it was. There's a passage in James chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently looks at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he looks like. 
What this passage is essentially saying is the word of God is the best mirror we can get. And when we look and read the word of God, this accurately depicts and shows the condition of our heart and the condition of our life. And often when we see things from our perspective and our ideal, our mirror, things look good and things look great. Our past looks good and our past looks great. But when you put our past in the context of the word of God, you got a 360 mirror going on. And all of a sudden, it's not just like, oh, the party and the friends. You now get an inside look at the brokenness and the loneliness that's in your heart. And you realize, you know what? The past looks good in this way, but against the word of God, why would I ever want to go back to that? Why would I ever want to go back to that? Why would I ever want to be back in bondage again? When you experience that temptation to look back, I want to exhort you guys, let the word of God search you. Let the word of God put that uncomfortable, you know, 360 mirror around you and show you no son, no daughter. That's not what you want. It doesn't, it's not as good as you think it is. That outfit of shame and condemnation, it don't look good on you. That clothing of unforgiveness, mm -mm. it may feel good, but it don't look good on you. That's not what I called you to wear. That's not the garments I've prepared for you. When the temptation comes, you got to stand on this word. Lord, I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to forget what lies behind. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to forget what lies behind. Not only does scripture say forgetting what lies behind, it calls us to move forward and strain forward to what lies ahead. Scripture says in Isaiah 43, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of the old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Christian life, living under the lordship of Jesus Christ is not about the avoidance of sin. So many of us fall into this. I'm free and now all I have to do is not do that again. And that's our focus. That's our concentration. Well, as long as I don't do that. Oh, oh, oh no, I can't do that. And oh, I can't do that. And oh, I don't want to do that because di- that displeases the Lord. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to want to please God. But when that becomes your ultimate purpose, you're missing the point. When I married my husband, it's going to be 10 years, by the way. Dang, can you imagine? I'm almost married for 10 years. July, the Lord is good and faithful. Uh, when I married my husband, I didn't want to live a life of, of marriage where I'm just constantly thinking about, I can't cheat on him. I can't cheat on him. I can't cheat on him. And looking at all the other guys that are taller, you know, younger, more muscular, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm, you know what I'm not? And I look at the like, K-dramas and it was so funny. There's <laughs> a K-drama, Descendants of the Sun. It kind of was popular back in the, not too long, but there's scenes where these guys have their shirts off. Anyway, my husband walks in, I'm watching the show and I'm like, he walks in, he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Change the channel. But listen, if I lived my life and my marriage just looking far away at these amazing other guys and just telling me, I can't, I can't do that. 
I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to commit adultery. Do you think I'll have a fruitful marriage? That, that's terrible. That's terrible. In fact, if that's my focus, I'll probably end up committing adultery because that's what I'm obsessed with, right? What you behold, you become. But marriage is supposed to be, I'm so focused on being in love with my husband that adultery becomes a, what? I don't want that. The Christian life is about falling in love with Jesus. It's about knowing who God is. When you know the goodness and the amazing sweetness of who God is, listen, all these things you've been struggling with, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you're going to learn that's actually not what I want. That's not good enough. God is so much better. That is the journey that we're on, is discovering just how great, just how satisfying, just how filling the love of God is in our lives. That is what we have to look forward to. It's not living a life of avoidance. It's not living a life devoid of fun. It's not living a life not doing what your friends can do. It's living a life that's fuller, that's richer, that's way more satisfying than whatever the world can promise you. That's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. That's the life I want to live. Is that the life you want to live? That's what we're called to. That's the new thing that's springing up inside of you. It's not in full maturation, but let me tell you, God is speaking to you already. My son, my daughter, I've called you to be bold. I've called you to live free. I've called you not just to receive freedom, but to bring freedom to others. Oh, let me tell you, your destiny that God has set apart for you is so much more than you can imagine. It's not avoidance. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Philippians chapter three, verse seven to nine says this, but what I gain, I counted what I had gained. No, no, no. But, but what gain I had? Oh Lord. Okay. But what gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Is knowing Christ Jesus, does that carry the surpassing worth to you? Does that carry the weight, the value that overshadows whatever other desires to live in accordance to the world? Does that overshadow that? I don't know about you, but knowing Christ, I believe that that's my greatest reward. He is the prize. That's what relationship is. God is inviting us. This is what sin was blocking us from. It was blocking us from relationship, intimacy with God the Father. And now when we begin to deal with those sins and we allow Jesus to begin to do his work, then we can step into knowing who God is. Ooh. That's exciting. That's the relationship that I want to have with God is one where I live learning more and more about him. You know, I can honestly say that I love my husband more today than I did the day I married him. And everyone's like, oh, so sweet. Okay. Um, yes, I guess that's sweet. But the reason why I can say that is because I know way more about him. Okay. Today than I did when I married him. Like if I knew what I knew, what I, maybe I would. No, no, no. <laughs> It's probably the same if you knew what he knew about me now, but we got engaged after six months of dating and they got married eight months after that. I was 23 when we got engaged. I was young. I was a young spring chicken and my husband just snatched me up. But, um, 
we're married. <laughs> I was married at a, at a nice, ripe old age. And now, 10 years later, I can say I know him so much more now. And now that I know him more, I can say that I love him more. Does that make sense? You know what? I can say the same thing about my relationship with God. I love God more today than I did even last year. And the reason is because throughout this past year, God has revealed so much of who he is to me. It wasn't easy. Sometimes it was painful. Sometimes it was really hard to go through what he put me through, but he did it because he wanted to show me who he was. And I can say that I love him more now than I did last year. This is the incredible journey that we get to be on is knowing God more and loving him more. You know, what's cool though, is he already knows you perfectly right now. He doesn't need 10 years to know you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And in that knowing, he loves you perfectly. Isn't that incredible? I mean, sometimes we have to stop and really meditate on just how amazing that truth is. That God knows us and loves us. Because sometimes we don't want to be known. You know what I'm saying? There's some things we don't want people to know. There's some things I'd rather keep in private or in the closet or do when no one else is watching. But God knows every, every corner of my heart. And yet he still can say, I love you. Hmm. The new thing that God is calling to you too is to know him, but it's also to know the power of his resurrection. Do you guys know that there is resurrection power that resides in you? Do you know that? Man, one of the most incredible things that I've experienced on my journey with God is seeing his power. And not only just experiencing his power in my own life, seeing addictions fall, seeing forgiveness uh, break out as a, as a response to his forgiveness to me, but seeing his supernatural power, witnessing that in other people's lives, that's been like amazing. It's been so exciting. This is what God is calling you to. A few years back, I went to Pattaya with my dear friend, Mina. She preached at the Freedom Retreat, Pastor Mina. I'm sure you guys all got a chance to meet her and realize how weird she is. But um, I love her nonetheless. And she's a very close friend of mine. And a few years back, we went to Pattaya, Thailand. And we uh, participated in a kind of outreach program for specifically for sex workers in Pattaya. And the culture in Thailand is... is uh, to kind of paint a quick picture is that Thailand is a country that's open to many, many religions. So when they hear about Jesus, it's not so much like they're against it. Like I feel like it's more antagonistic, maybe in a place like America or even Korea at times, people will have a aversion towards the word Jesus or Christianity because of some experiences. But for the Thai people, often they're open, like Jesus, cool. Yeah, pray for me. But then it would be like, whatever God, pray for me. That's cool. Does that make sense? It's a very kind of they embrace whatever. But we did this outreach tour, uh, for these women um, who are sex workers, and we worked with an organization that existed in Pattaya who helped sex workers get out of their uh, sex work lifestyle, and they would teach them different skills so that they would be able to um, uh, live in a different occupation, so baking or sewing or things of that matter. And so we would partner with this ministry, and they would speak Thai fluently, so we would go and evangelize. Now, when I went and did this evangelism with Mina and with this team and, and with the outreach program that we were a part of, it was like nonstop 
supernatural signs and wonders. Like, it, it was almost as if it was open heaven everywhere that we went. We would meet these workers. We would ask them, is there any pain that you're feeling in your body? Jet Mai, that's what I mean. Any pain? Jet Mai, yeah, you like my tie, right? That's, a, that's a one of the three things I can say. But Jet Mai, Jet Mai, any pain? And they would point to, and I remember there was this young lady who had uneven legs. And so she said she had a severe back pain. So we checked her legs, and they were about two inches uneven. And so we just laid hands, prayed right there. And in that moment, I kid you not, I saw the leg that was shorter grow out and even out with the other leg. Do you believe that God can actually do that? Do you believe that he can do that today? That's something he wants you to to come into. That's the invitation he wants to bring you inside. It's not to show you that he does a powerful work within our hearts, but he does a powerful work in the world that we see. A leg grow out. Can you believe it? I was like, what? This is crazy. We were so excited at all the miracles we saw that we stayed at a deacon, kind of like a missionary friend's home after the, after the um, conference was over or outreach was over. And this Korean gentleman, we were just sharing testimonies. We were so excited. He had a friend that was staying with him. And he was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you have to pay for my friend. And we noticed that this older gentleman had a severe limp. And so me and Mina, we were just so excited about what we saw. We were riding on this incredible faith. And we're like, okay, what happened? And he began to tell us a story that he got shot in the back. And where the bullet landed, it damaged some of the nerves that connected to his foot and his leg. And so he hasn't been able to walk properly since. And so me and Mina said, okay, let's do this. Let's pray. So we lay hands. We get the deacon. And we get even his young daughter to lay hands. And we pray. And as we pray, praying. Praying. All of a sudden, we're like, hey, can you check? Is anything different? He looks at his leg, and he's like, no, nothing. So we're like, oh, that's okay, that's okay, let's pray again. We pray one more time, and all of a sudden, I see him wiggling his toes. And I'm wondering, oh, I wonder if that's what's going on. And his face lights up. And we're like, what, what's happening? He goes, I haven't been able to move my toes in 15 years And there he is going like this with his toes. And we were like, what? It's almost like we believed it, but when it happened, it was still like, what? And he was just so amazed. This is a non-believer. He was so amazed that he kind of left the apartment. And we're like, what's going on? And me and Mina were kind of rejoicing. And all of a sudden, we were like, what's he doing? All of a sudden, we realize that he's running in the hallway, back and forth, back and forth, because God was doing a healing work in his leg. I feel like the enemy has tried so hard to keep us blinded from the power that we actually have through Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, scripture says, resides in me and you. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I'm going to the father. This is the words of Jesus, the signs and wonders that you see in scripture. He says that we will be able to do an even greater works. Do you guys actually believe that? Because some of us are so consumed with not doing the wrong thing. We don't realize what God is calling us to. It's not about avoidance of sin. You guys, it's about, it's about seeing the glory of God. 
And it's about experiencing the glory of God manifesting through you. Meaning seeing you pray for someone and seeing them experience freedom. Come on. Come on. It's not just about being set free. That's the beginning. That's the start. The life and destiny that God is calling us to is so much more and so much greater. Straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm just trying to paint paint a picture for what Jesus is trying to say. This is what's ahead of you. When you abide in me, when you live under my lordship, listen, I'm going to show you things that will blow your mind. The power of his resurrection. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. And as we strain forward, I do kind of want to talk about this. We're called to live a life uh, pursuing the holiness of God. Right? Pursuing holiness. The thing is, when we get set free and now it's time to walk out our freedom, it's a process. You know why? Because the thoughts that you've thought for 15 years about what you look like, It's not just going to disappear in one day. That's a path that you walked in your brain for years. Literally, there are brain pathways. When we think thoughts, it's like a connection from A to B. And there are thoughts that we have thought so repetitively that it's just ingrained in our brains. You know, I I drive back at home. I don't drive here because I'm scared. Okay? There's still levels of freedom that I have to reach through Christ. But still, I'm afraid to drive in Korea. But I drove back home. And when I would drive back home, there would be days where I'd be driving from my friend's house and I'm listening to music. I'm one of those people that like, you know, you stop at the red light and you turn and they're like, (laughs) you know, like sing, like I'm one of those people. And I'd be singing to the radio and literally I'm, I'm not even intentionally thinking about it, but I open my eyes and I realize, oh, I'm right in front of my house. You ever have moments where there's just paths that you've gone so often that you, you don't have to be intentional about it. Like, make a right here. Make a left here. Oh, why am I doing this? Anyway, um, that's my left. Anyway, uh, make a right here. Make a left here. You just don't have to intentionally because it's just so natural. You've done it again and again and again and again. That you can kind of mindlessly end up at that place. You can mindlessly end up at home. Well, let me tell you, there are thoughts that are like that. Where, where we're not intentional and we're just kind of thinking. You All of a sudden, you realize, ah, la, 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 la. How did I get here? It's a pattern that you've had year after year after year after year. And you experience this freedom. You get revelation. You realize, no, I'm not ugly. God has called me beautifully and fearfully made. But there are still triggers that are there. You still look in the mirror and all of a sudden you want to go there. You're like, wait, I thought I got set free. What's going on? I want to explain to you that the reality of your freedom is there. It's in Christ, but now you have to participate with the Holy Spirit and make a new path. Make a new path, and that takes intention. It requires your attention and also requires some time. Okay. Some of us, we get disillusioned. We think we got set free, and when we hear old existing thoughts, now we say, I guess I wasn't free. And you get discouraged and laden and, and broke down. And no, 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 no. That's just your old self trying to make a comeback. It's trying to resurrect. You know, the resurrection power is not for your old self, okay? It's for your new self. The old self scripture says, put that to death. So every time it's like, mm, I'm coming back, you're like, bam, you better stay down there. Mm-mm. You're not coming back up. 
When you hear those thoughts, that's what you got to do. You can't be, this is what we do. All of a sudden we walk, we walk and all of a sudden, and you're like, oh no, it's back. It's here. It's never going to go away. Hug. We embrace it. No, 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 no. When the old patterns begin to come back up to try to tempt you to make a decision, to think a thought or have a mindset that does not go in alignment with the word of God, you, uh, you smack that thing down and you say, uh, uh-uh, I'm putting that to death and you got to forge a new path. No scripture says I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Thank you. Mm. If you walk that path over and over and over soon, that's the path that will be second nature. And soon you won't have to think so intentionally about it. You look in the mirror and you'll be like, oh, okay. I'm beautifully and wonderfully made because I'm his creation. New paths. It takes time. Think about it. When you go into the forest, I don't know when the last time it was you went into a forest, okay? But just stay with me here. You go into the forest and you try to make a path where it doesn't exist. It takes effort. You got to pick up some branches. You got to toss a couple of leaves away. You got to break through that path from A to B. But you do that time and time and time again. And all of a sudden, you'll see a nice little road right there just for you. It gets easier and easier and easier and easier. That's the renewing of your mind. That's what transforms our heart and then transforms our behavior. We got to walk out our freedom. We can't just believe it. We got to walk it out. Forge new paths. Set your mind on things above. We have set our minds on things below for so long. It's so habitual. We're so used to it. I feel lonely, so I want to eat a cake. It's like second nature. It's funny, but really, I feel like that sometimes. You know, emotional eating. Or I feel lonely. I want to go to this website. Uh Uh-oh, stay with me. There's triggers that we have that we know. But in those moments, we got to say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm making a new path. I feel the temptation. I want to go this way because I know this way so well. But no, God has given me the power and the strength to go this way. So when I feel lonely, I'm not going to go here. I'm going to go running to him. This is God's desire and his calling for you. We're going to forge new paths. Amen. The last point I want to make is forgetting what lies behind, straining towards what is ahead, Last thing is fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of God says Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. You got to get this. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. The reason why this is so important is because sometimes we receive such a breakthrough that we know is the grace of God. But we try to walk it out in our own strength. Oh man, God, you set me free. This is awesome. This is amazing. I'm going to do this for you. 
I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to live this for you. And I'm going to meet with you. And I'm going to pray to you. And you're going to try to do this on your own accord and your own strength. And you do that. And I'm telling you, you're going to get burnt out. And you're going to get discouraged. And you're going to get disillusioned. But when you live a life, when you walk it out with your eyes fixed on Jesus, you're reminded, oh, snap. Lord, even my faith is a gift. I can't even take credit for that. You can't even take credit for your faith. That's a gift from God. And not only is the giver of faith, he's the perfecter of our faith. Meaning he's in charge of our life story in order to perfect the faith that he's given to us. This is a huge relief off of our shoulders because sometimes we bear a burden we're not supposed to bear. The reason why fixing our eyes on Jesus is so important is because it keeps us tied to the gospel. The gospel that says, it's not by my strength. It's not what I earned. It's not what I I worked up to, but it's by the grace of God that I've been saved. It's by the grace of God I've been set free. When you live in accordance, tied to that gospel, you live in power. You know why you live in power? It's because it redefines your successes and it redefines your failures. When you live tied to the gospel and you succeed and you're doing well, you stay in a place of humility. Often when we do things on our own accord, when we disconnect from the gospel and we start doing this to earn things from God and things go well, even subtly we begin to think, I did that. I earned that. That happened because I prayed 10 days and fasted for three. We begin to give ourselves this narrative that takes out the, "Uh -uh uh-uh, no, that happened because of the grace of God. When we begin to say, I earned that. I did that. It, It puts us on this pedestal. And now when we see other people struggling, we look down. We judge. Like, why can't you? What are you doing? Just get over it. Snap out of it. Come on. Come to large group. Be a Christian. We begin to judge. It may not be so overt like that, but even in our hearts, we begin to miss an opportunity to connect with someone that's struggling and pray for them from a place, not of pride, but of knowing, hey, God changed me through the grace of God. He can do that for you. It redefines our our success in that it doesn't, it's not something that we earned. It's not something that we obtained. And it keeps us in a place of awe. So when it happens, it's, Always something that we're able to give thanks to God. Being connected to the gospel also redefines our failures. And this is a point I really want to drive in. Because it's often when we experience what we consider a failure, where we start to go back to our old ways. When you're connected with the gospel and you fail, you slip up, you go back to something you know you shouldn't have go back to. You looked at something you shouldn't have looked at. When you're connected with the gospel, you may be disappointed, but you're not devastated. You may say to yourself, no, I can't do that again, but you won't be in a place of despair. You won't say to yourself, I can't get out of that. Oh, woe is me. What did I do? And instead of running away from God, you still have the boldness to go to God. Because you know, ultimately, your righteousness has already been obtained by Christ. That's a big mindset change that as believers we have to remain in. And I'm I'm not saying get it because you'll get it forever. You have to remain in because you'll always be tempted to get out of it. As a pastor, as someone who should be so holy, 
You know, I, I still struggle with staying in the gospel. I still find myself going, "Hmm, I earned that. Or what did I do? I can, I can never move forward. I still begin to swing back and forth, back and forth. But I have to remind myself every day. No, I got to go back to what is true. There are going to be moments where you may make mistakes. You're not going to live a perfect life until Christ returns and we become fully perfected. Right? But in those moments of quote unquote mistakes or failures, whatever you may call it, you have to be confident in what Jesus has done for you. And when you stand in that confidence, you can always be bold. You ever struggle with something and all of a sudden you come across a situation where you can kind of like talk about Jesus, but all of a sudden you feel disqualified, you know, it's like, oh, I struggled with that yesterday. So I don't, I don't feel like I can kind of bring that up. And we start kind of going back to these, like, I got to earn it mentality. But even when we're exposed to our weaknesses, we can still be bold and who we're called to be because our identity of righteousness, a righteous man and woman of God will always be tied to not what you've done, but what Christ has already done for us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow yourself to go into despair. Don't allow yourself to go into the place of, 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 of utter, uh, not utter disappointment. Disappointment's okay, but despair. Don't allow yourself to begin to tell, be devastated. This is, this is it. I can't go back. I can't pick myself up after this. No, 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 no. I don't care what happened. I don't care what's going to happen. You pick yourself right back up and you say, no, God, I'm going to pursue you again. I'm going to pursue you again by your grace, by your power, by your spirit. Listen, what you've experienced up till now, the lies that have haunted you, the voices that you've heard, the chains that you felt chained to, the bondages that you've had. God is not only wanting you to, to set you free from those things. He wants to live you to live a life that is full and rich in him. This is his desire. There's so much more that he has for us. This is the invitation that I want to extend to you. Don't just experience freedom. Walk it out. Live it. Breathe it. And then become an agent that now partners with God to bring it to others. There are college friends that hear that I'm a pastor and they're like, what? Like, they're just so confused because they saw me doing all sorts of things and being all kinds of foolish. And it's just to prove God uses the weak <laughs> to shame the strong, the foolish things to shame the wise. It, it's not, it wasn't about me and my credibility. It wasn't about me and, and what I live to deserve this pulpit and to be able to preach to you. It's about what Christ has done inside of me that I can come before you as someone that's been set free and is still being set free and being able to preach to you with humility. Cause I know where I came from and boldness because of what Christ has done. That's my desire for you guys. Movers and shakers. That's what you're called to be. Movers and shakers. I want you guys to bow your heads. And I just want to take some time for us to respond a little bit to this message.
Because after the mountaintop experiences, there is always a valley. And what I mean by that is when we experience major breakthrough, there are often, it will often follow a time of testing. A time of testing where all of a sudden we're going to get tested. Did that really happen? Was that true? Am I really free? I feel like the enemy has already been trying to assault some of you guys with those questions. He's trying to lure you into a place of defeat and doubt. And he wants to bring back his word that sets us free, that opens our eyes to see what is true and what is real. That 360 mirror, I just feel like God wants to put you in that right now. So I want to ask all of you guys to just close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to open up the altar for you guys to receive prayer. But even before we go there, I just want to pray a prayer for you guys. And I'm going to invite you guys to start praying on your own. Father, I just pray right now for your beloved sons and daughters in this room. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you begin to just do a revealing work. That like this 360 mirror, you'll begin to show, begin to reveal some of the deceptions that are trying to crawl back and make its way onto the throne of their hearts. I want you to begin to show and reveal some of the the doubts that they may be facing. Lord, would you begin to expose and show some of the lies that they may already try or trying to embrace. And I pray in the midst of just revealing what's on their hearts and the struggles that are there that we're carrying with us, may you begin to now reveal the very power of God. Would you begin to release the spirit of hope? The confidence that we have in you and in you alone. That this trajectory, this path, this destiny, this calling, this race that you have marked out for us. That we will be able to run it. Can you just stay?